sorry I haven't a clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. This week you find us at the Royal National Theatre Complex at the heart of London's glitzy South Bank. The theatre we're in today is named The Littleton in honour of the internationally renowned jazz trumpet player. <laughs> Booth's glittering performances here, including today's, now total a staggering one. The National Theatre for Britain was originally proposed by the publisher Effingham Wilson in 1848. <laughs> Well, the project was completed in record time for a public building and was in use as early as 1976. <laughs> During much of his dealings with the builders, Effingham Wilson was in fact <laughs> Effingham Daly. <laughs> Recently, the area has become even more of a tourist attraction. Many come here and pay a few pounds to enjoy an uninterrupted 45-minute viewing of London and the Thames, as they wait for their conic chain to finally crawl off hang of <laughs> Or they can climb up to the top of the mighty tower of the Shell Centre to enjoy a panoramic vista right across half of London. You can't see the other half because some fool has put a 700-foot bicycle wheel in the way. <laughs> Please welcome on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and his very special celebrity guest, Stephen Fry. <laughs> and on my left, Graham Garden and the same old Barry Cryer. <laughs> I'm getting ready for some action on the desk next to me. Please welcome our lovely scorer, the delightful Samantha. <laughs> Let's kick off with a round of school reports. We all remember that feeling of dread as the end-of-year report had to be taken home for inspection by our parents. Well, Tim was telling us earlier how his mother kept him off cream buns for a whole week after the headmaster wrote that he was lazy, noisy, couldn't spell and was always cracking dirty jokes in class. He went on, Brooke Taylor is probably the worst English teacher the school has ever encountered. <laughs> So, teams, your suggestions, please, of school reports that might have been received by certain famous people, either still with us or appearing on UK Gold. <laughs> Barry. Barry, will you start, please? Um, Mike Tyson, somewhat inarticulate, but always has the ear of the teacher. <laughs> Stephen. Um, Dale Winton, uh, must try less hard. <laughs> Graham. Uh, I've got one here for Jonathan Aitken. Um, Jonathan has persuaded us that he will do well in his chosen career in politics <laughs> and has been awarded the Harrods travel bursary. <laughs> uh, note to all parents, the school trophy cabinet was broken into last term. The sword of truth and the shield of British fair play are still missing. <laughs> Jonathan Ross, when he's in class, there's always a little rancor. <laughs> 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 Helen of Troy, 
fair. <laughs> Marcel Marceau makes too much noise. I've put him on silence until further notice. <laughs> I've got one here for Russell Grant. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> do share. <laughs> it says, Russell will do well next term. <laughs> I've got one here, Graham, for, for St. Michael. Oh, yes. <laughs> Must pull his socks up. <laughs> Richard Branson, consistently late with the feeblest excuses. <laughs> Bomber Harris. <laughs> a keen boy, but completely ruined the school trip to Dresden. <laughs> Hansi Cronje. Wouldn't bet on his future. <laughs> Bill Gates. Pathetic. Every time you ask him to do something, he breaks down, starts again, freezes, and then starts again. <laughs> I've got one here for Harry Ramsden. Poor, <laughs> <laughs> poor but could do better. <laughs> one for Jim Davidson. Seems to think he's amusing. He isn't. Oh, this is a review. Sorry, it's not a review. <laughs> Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. Needs a bloody good haircut. <laughs> Although a bloody awful one would be an improvement. <laughs> for Charles Darwin, full of fanciful ideas, just like his father, the little, <laughs> the little monkey. <laughs> right, it's time now for a game called One Song to the Tune of Another. And I can guess what you're thinking, teams. What in the name of blue blazes can this be all about? <laughs> Well, I like to explain this round with the use of a metaphor. It doesn't have to be a metaphor, of course. It could be an allegory or even some other sort of emblematical imagery employed specifically to symbolize a deeper alternative meaning than that apparently conveyed. <laughs> and yes, I know, teams, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> You're quite right in thinking it shouldn't be a paradigm, because a lot of people mistake a paradigm for a paradox, and we don't want any unnecessary confusion creeping in. <laughs> oh, no, a paradox is an absurd contradiction or anomaly such as the expression, Colin Sell is your piano player. <laughs> is that all clear? Okay, we'll start with you, Tim. Would you please sing the words of the Marrow song to the tune of the Dance of the Hours? Down the road there lived a man And I'd like you all to know He grew a great big marrow for the local flower show when the her story got around they came from far and wide and when the people saw the marrow everybody cried oh what a beauty <laughs> i have never seen one as big as that before oh what a beauty it must be two foot long or even more it's such a lovely color and so nice and round and fat i never thought a marrow could grow as big as that he was leaning on the garden gate the other day and beckoned to to a lady 
who lived across the way. He took her down the garden path and showed her who was Right, it's you now, Stephen. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Would you please sing the words of When You Wish Upon a Star to the tune of The Lambeth Walk? upon a star makes no difference who you are anything your heart desires will come to you if your heart is in your dream no request is too extreme when you wish upon a star as dreamers dreamers do Okay, Graham, now, would you please sing the words of There's No One Quite Like Grandma <laughs> to the tune of the Toreador song? And there is no one quite like Grandma And I know you will agree She always is a friend to me And she is a friend to you there's no one quite like Grandma, she's there In times of need, before it's bedtime On her knee to us a book to read Grandma, we love you, Grandma, we do Though you may be far away, we think of you And one day when we're older We'll look back and say there's no one Quite like Grandma Finally, finally, Barry, would you please sing the words of Old MacDonald Had a Farm to the tune of The Wonder of You? <laughs> Old MacDonald had a farm. <laughs> e I E I E I O O. <laughs> and on this farm he had some chicks. E I E I E I O. With a chick chick here and a chick chick there. Here a chick, there a chick. Everywhere a chick chick. <laughs> Old MacDonald had a farm. E I E I E I O. And on this farm he had some ducks. E-I-E-I-E-I-O With a quack quack here And a quack quack there Here a quack, there a quack Everywhere A quack 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 Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen Thank you very much Barry Cryer has left the business <laughs> We move on to an interesting game now. <laughs> Combining the thespian art of theatrical drama with the heady excitement of steeplechase racing, it's called Grand National Theatre. <laughs> but remember, teams, we don't want to repeat of that unfortunate incident the last time we combined acting with horse racing. After someone told Barry Crow to break a leg, we had to take him out and have him shot. LAUGHTER 
Luckily, the bullet hit Barry's wallet and missed his heart by eight miles. <laughs> OK, the teams will join forces now in a read-through of a play which, in my opinion, as a one-time critic, has been inclined to drag in conventional productions. To speed things up, the teams will attempt their performance in the style of horse-racing commentators. And the play that I've chosen is King Lear. Act 3, Scene 2, to be precise, and another part of Newmarket Heath. Over to you in the commentary box, Tim. Enter King Lear and Fool. King Lear, blow hoggins and cracks your cheeks. Brage, blow your cataracts and hurricanos. Spout till you have drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks who suffer us and over. Though thought executing fires, born to couriers to oak, cleaving thunderbolts over to you, Barry. Singe my white head. <laughs> now. <laughs> Now all shaking thunder, smite flat the think rotundity of the world, crack nature's moulds and German spill at once, that makes ingrateful man over to you, Stephen. No, an uncle caught holy water in a dry house is better than this rainwater out of door. Good an uncle in, an uncle in, in, and an outside daughter on the inside blessing. Here's the night, it is neither wise man nor fool, rumble, thy valley full, spit, fire, spout, rain, over to you, Graham. And no rain, wind thunder, fire of my daughters, turning on the outside there. That's not you, you elements with unkindness. I never gave you kingdom, called you children. You owe me no subscription at the tote uh, let fall. Oh, you're a horrible pleasure of all of there. Here I stand, your slave, a poor, infirm, weak, and despised old man. Over to you, Tim. Not yet, I call the seven myself that have two pernicious daughters joined your high engendered battles against the head. Over to you, Barry. He that has a house to put heads in has a good headpiece down there, the godpiece that will house before the head has any the head, and she shall louse. So beggars marry many, the man that makes at all what his heart should make shall of a corn cry woe over to you, Stephen. Uh, turn the slave away, for there was never yet found one that she made a mouth of glass. Uh, no, I will be the pattern of all patience. I will say nothing, I will say nothing. From who's there can fool marry his grace and a copies, and that's a photo of a wise man and a fool. <laughs> Well, we're now going to play a game called Murder Mystery, which I observe has become extremely popular with companies keen to fork out thousands on away days to country hotels in order to build up staff morale. In it, someone is murdered and the rest have to pit their wits in order to work out who did it. I shall now ask for the lights to be dimmed. <laughs> Colin Sell, I must now ask you to provide a sense of suspense on the piano. Okay, we now have to wait for the murderer to strike. <laughs> right then, who's dead? Tim, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Hump. Stephen? Absolutely right here, yes. Barry? I'm here. Right, then it must be Graham. No, 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 I'm here. <laughs> Colin Sell? Yes, I'm here, Hump. Hmm. <laughs> Never mind, on with the next round, then. Um, uh, Humph, 
There's one thing I don't understand. <laughs> Who was it that screamed? Well, that was me. Oh. So would you if you were sitting that close to that bloody piano. We move on now with a look at today's school's exam system as there's evidence that education standards are falling everywhere, even here at the BBC. In my day, every broadcaster had to pass a rigorous test in Reading. <laughs> Sorry, in Reading. Not only are exams easier, but anyone who does fail now has the automatic right of appeal. I'm myself considering appeal against the LCC board for failing me at mathematics matriculation in 1942. Gosh, <laughs> 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm told that exams in English are so much easier now that plural words may be used in the singular, spit infinitives are acceptable, and some examiners even tolerate smelling piss takes. <laughs> okay, teams, I have here a selection of exam questions which I'd like you to have a stab at. Two A's and a B will get you a place at Oxbridge. Two C's and a D will get you a place at De Montfort, Leicester. While an E, an O and an R will get you a part in the Arches. <laughs> to compare whether education standards really have fallen since their day, I'm going to test the teams with a GCSE general knowledge exam paper. To make this even more of a test, we'll do it in reverse. So teams, I'll be giving you the answers and asking you to come up with the original questions. <laughs> Right, we're going to start with you, Tim. Your answer is buzz, squeak, pop and splat. Buzz, squeak, pop and splat. What is the life cycle of a bee? <laughs> you want the real answer? Oh, yeah, because yeah, I have to read out the boring real answers. Provide four examples of onomatopoeia, was the question. <laughs> Graham, now, your answer is Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. Uh, the question is, what happened at the Sellafield Nativity? <laughs> the real question is, what were the first words recorded by Thomas Edison? Now, Barry, your answer is Miss Saigon. Um, what instruction did they give American bomber pilots? <laughs> <laughs> Which Cameron Macintosh musical is set in Vietnam? Right, start that one. Stephen, your answer. Erect with full face showing. Erect, erect with full face showing. <clears throat> How do you never want to see David Meller? <laughs> and the real question is, what is the meaning of the heraldic term rampant garden? Tim, your answer is sensitive hairs. Uh, what are German poets called? <laughs> or what do loudmouth rabbits upset? <laughs> the answer is what does a spider have on its body to facilitate hearing? Really? Graham, your answer between the sheets. In the sheets. Uh, what's the best time to meet a Mexican with a tummy bug? <laughs> and the real question is, what cocktail contains brandy, Cointreau, dark rum and lemon juice? 
Barry, your answer, legs akimbo. Who is the most notorious Nigerian gangster? <laughs> And, of course, we all know that the question is, what is the name of the drama group in the League of Gentlemen? Stephen, your answer, scrape the flesh off with your teeth. How not to give a blow... No, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, better ask me another one. Yeah, I think I'd better. Here's another one. By shouting four. How does David Beckham indicate that he's learnt a new number? Well, the real question is, how do golfers warn each other of incoming balls? <laughs> Tim, another answer for you. Try to find a corner and be as discreet as possible. Afterwards, you should apologise profusely and help to clear it up. How do you make love to Anne Widdicombe? <laughs> the real question is, what is the etiquette for vomiting in someone else's home if you're, oh, if you're unable, uh, unable to find the bathroom. I don't want to know that. <laughs> Stephen now, walls have ears. Walls have ears. What is the worst ever pork pie advert? <laughs> well, the question, of course, was what slogan cautioned against careless talk during wartime? Graham, your answer now, 1812. Uh, what type of holiday does Michael Jackson go on? <laughs> Real question, when did Napoleon invade Russia? Barry, throw it over your shoulder. <laughs> what do you do if you're Linford Christie? <laughs> the answer, what you should do if you spill some salt. And Stephen, mm. the horn in a built-up area. The horn in a built-up area. What should Linford Christie never get? <laughs> Close again. The answer is, uh, the question is, what can you not use in a car between 11.30pm and 7am? <laughs> right, let's roll back the carpet and pump up the music for some hot rhythm action now. <laughs> With a round of Swanee Kazoo. What a great combination. <laughs> What a great combination that is. Swanee and kazoo, two contrasting words that go together, like dull and ditchwater, kiss and death, or Nicholas and Parsons. <laughs> and while the merry chirp of the swanee whistle is complimented by the cheery rasp of the kazoo, Colin Sell will provide accompaniment on the piano. Incidentally, we were interested to learn that Colin was recently described by critics as the next Dylan. <laughs> Which is why he's got the rabbit outfit on for his <laughs> We'll start with you, Tim and Stephen. I'd like you to provide a version of Well, Did You Ever? with Tim Brooke Taylor on kazoo and Stephen Fry on the swanee whistle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Encore! <laughs> Am I right in thinking, Tim, you sucked instead of blue half the time? <laughs> Barry and Graham, would you please provide a version of By the Light of the Silvery Moon with Barry Cryer on Kazoo and Graham Garden on the Swanee Whistle? It's very nearly the end of the show, but it's just time to squeeze in a round of Cheesemakers Film Club. So while Samantha nips out to nibble on her favourite bit of Leicester, I'd like the teams to su- I'd like the teams to suggest movie titles that might appeal to an audience drawn from the world of cheesemaking. Graham, will you start, please? Cambazola, east of Java. <laughs> the Edam Busters. They made a third sequel of that film about Alcatraz with them. Um... Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery. The Rock Four. <laughs> I thank you. The Guns of Mascarpone. <laughs> Fromage to Eternity. <laughs> King Kong versus Gorgonzola. <laughs> Three Men and a Baby Bell. <laughs> Bring me the cheddar, Alfredo. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. It's a company. Cheddar Gabler. The Hunt for Red Leicester. Cheese Straw Dogs. Sorry. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the little Jack Horner of time pulls out his plums of fate, and the little Tommy Tucker of destiny looks for a rhyme we can broadcast, <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team, Samantha, myself, and the fine patrons of our National Theatre here in London, it's goodbye. Deborah Taylor, Barry Cryer, Graham Gardner, Stephen Fry have been given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Patterson and the producer was John Naismith. And there'll be more slightly less cheesy clue from the South Bank, this time with special guest Stephen Fry next Monday at half past twelve.